You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Off and running on this December 18th. Good morning. Welcome in. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Another big one. Another jam-packed 60 minutes leading up to Golick and Wingo who come your way at 6 o'clock. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is up for today. Uh, today is Wednesday. I know that much. So we definitely have headlines. Everyone's closeted favorite. The full, first rule of uh, loving headlines is much like the uh, first rule of Fight Club. So we'll just leave it right there. But the place we start today as we dive right in on this Wednesday edition is with the New York Knicks. Knicks back from the West Coast came up with their, I, you have to say, most dominating performance of the season, right? Most points scored since 1980. Beat the Hawks at the Garden last night, 143 to 120. And the rare laugher this year that the Knicks were involved in, and it was not the Knicks, the ones getting laughed at. Scored 41 points in the first quarter, had 77 points at halftime, never led by less than 20 in the second half. And what's nice about this win, not just that it is a win, is that it was primarily. Not because of the veterans. Some of the veterans played well. Marcus Morris played well again. Julius Randle played well. Seemed far more in control lately than he was earlier in the season, right? When we were all complaining about him uh, looking like uh, he's like one of those people in the infomercial that just can't get coordinated. Oh, my goodness, this knife. I need a new knife because I can't seem to cut this tomato. I mean, he was a mess earlier on in the season, and now it seems like he's playing far more under control. But last night it was primarily... The Knicks won the game because of the young guys. And, and most importantly, the three young guys who I think, I guess maybe you could include Neil Aquina in there. He really wasn't the major factor last night as the others were. But the three young guys who I think you're looking for the most on this roster currently, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and Kevin Knox. Now, I don't know, maybe you would put on your list of, of players that you want to see things from, maybe you might put Neil Aquina ahead of Knox. But Knox has been so up and down, and so, you know, he had the DMP earlier this year and really has looked lost at times. To see him have a game like last night, I think, is important. Barrett, 27 points, 10 of 13 shooting. He's had a lot of rough shooting nights lately, so good for him to have some success before things really started to snowball. Mitchell Robinson, it's not about the talent with him as much as it is the consistency. He had 22 last night and Knox 17. So good to see, you know, it's not just that the Knicks are getting wins. It's one thing if they were getting wins because Marcus Morris or, or Julius Randle were really carrying the load. To me, those are kind of fool's gold wins because those guys really should not be in the long-term plans of the Knicks. Barrett, Robinson, Kevin Knox, those guys far more should be in the long, especially uh, Barrett and, and Mitchell Robinson. And for Mike Miller, good for him. I mean, this is a guy that uh, has come in, already has three wins. The entire time David Fisdale was here, he had only four. So I think it says something for Mike Miller, a guy who's finally getting his shot, so good for him. That's a story that everybody can kind of get behind. And it's nice. I know this is a low, low bar, but it's nice to watch the team and they look functional. Now, at the end of the day, the wins were against Golden State, Sacramento, right? And the Hawks. So last year, I think it was around this same time, they also won three in a row. They beat the Celtics, they beat the Pelicans, and they beat somebody else. 
and they had won those three in a row in a, at a time where everybody's like, tank, tank, tank. And um, over, luckily, they were able to overcome those three wins and tank and get the worst record and all those things. But does, so does it mean anything that they've kind of seemingly turned the corner? I'm not ready to go there yet. Let's see how this continues. If, if it continues over the next few weeks, maybe I'll be willing to say that, yeah, maybe they have turned the corner from being one of the worst teams to just being a, a rebuilding team that is still trying to figure it out. It didn't mean anything last year when they won three in a row. We know that. And while I think it does say something for Mike Miller, I really think it says more about David Fisdale. David Fisdale's decisions more and more look like he was the mole. Remember the – does anybody remember? Maybe this is too uh, obscure a reference. There was a reality show called The Mole, and they had, I don't know, 12, 14 contestants. And the the contestants all had to operate as a team – in accomplishing tasks. But somewhere within the team, there was one member of the team that was trying to sabotage things. And nobody knew who it was. And the people that were on the show kind of had to guess who the mole was. Well, I'm starting to think that maybe David Fisdale, he was playing his own home version of the mole because of the decisions that he made while uh, coaching the Knicks. They're looking worse and worse, right? But give the Knicks credit, we crushed them continually when they're bad, and they've been bad a lot this year. So when they play like last night, good job. And they've played like that a little bit more. E- and it's not even about necessarily the wins. It's just about being more competitive. Even the, the the Denver game, they didn't win that game, but they were far more competitive. So that's all well and good. Of course, not that I want to be Debbie Downer, but the problem with all of this is that with each win, while nice in the moment, good in the moment, you give them credit in the moment, the problem with that is is that it likely reduces the chances that there is a big change after the season. And while it does feel good to watch them and they're more competent and they're more functional and the decisions made by the coach make sense and he's calling timeouts at the right time, he's not allowing teams to – to, to, to go off and get on a huge run and, and uh, they have to dig out for the, the rest of the game. More ball movement. you know Everything looks better. This next team almost certainly is going to be in the lottery. There's no... Don't, please, don't call up today at 1-800-919-ESPN and tell me that the Knicks, I think that they could go to the playoffs. Please don't. Don't do it to yourselves, Knicks fans. I say all the time about Knicks fans being delusional. I can't imagine that there's anyone out there, even for Knicks fans, delusional enough after three wins in four games that's going to tell me, hey, you know what? The playoffs are not that crazy. The the East, right? There's not that many great teams. The eighth seed is not that far off. It's Trust me, it's too far off. So this Knicks team is going to be in the lottery. And the problem is, is with each win, the chances of getting the seismic change that I think you need is less and less likely to happen. I don't have a lot of faith in the people making the decisions in the front office. So if the Knicks do, let's say they get to 26, 27 wins. That's 10, if it's 27, it's 10 more than last year. And the people in the front office can say, hey, look. We improved. We took a, a pretty, I mean, 10, I don't care how you get it against, if it's all against bad teams, 
10 games improvement from a year to the next, that, that's that's nothing to, to, to sneeze at. I don't know why you'd sneeze at it to begin with, but whatever. They can say, look, we improved. Our plan is working. We are pointed in the right direction. And we just need more time. And especially after we fired Fisdale, right? Fisdale's here. We are completely inept. Basically can't win any games outside of games featuring Christos Porzingis. So you just got to give us more time to carry out our plan. Jeff Van Gundy came out recently and said that the problem with the Knicks is that there's just been too much change, that there's been no stability, coaches, GMs, players. I completely disagree. I don't think that there's been enough change. Patience, I say this about all, I say this about the Giants, I say this about the Jets. Any team that is showing some level of dysfunction that can't win even remotely consistently enough, it's all well and good to say patience, but take a look at the, the Giants, I think, are a prime example of a team that has been too loyal. And I think the Knicks sometimes have been too loyal. So it's great that the Knicks win. It's even better that it's the young guys leading the charge. And in the moment, it feels great. And it does give you a little bit of hope in the moment, right? Maybe R.J. Barrett, who has struggled at times this year. It's his rookie season. That's to be expected. But you see a game like last night, and you can envision a couple of years down the road when his body fills out a little bit, he gets a little bit more experience. Man, this guy's going to be a monster. Or Mitchell Robinson, once he finally gets some consistency and certain, you know, learns certain situations not to be so, so uh, you know, out of control. Or even Kevin Knox. Maybe he can develop into a nice, if only a rotational player after what you've seen so far this year. But I have to be honest, even in the moment, I keep in the back of my mind what really needs to happen for this team, not just to be a little bit better, not just to be a 25-win team, but to be really pointed in the right direction. I think the, the, the primary thing that you would have to point to is get somebody in here that really knows the lay of the land and can really direct this franchise and make the decisions for this franchise that is needed. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. So our poll question, which is up for today, I crafted a little bit of a different one today, right? Knicks have won three of four. So there have been these reports about Masai Ujiri of the Raptors, that the Knicks, that the NBA looks at Ujiri as the chosen one, that he's the one that the Knicks have to go out and get and that he would be able to turn around even the Knicks. But there's other reports that if the Knicks are interested in him, and I, look, this is a negotiation, it would cost them two first-round picks. Well, look, if it's the two Dallas picks, that's too easy, right? I mean, if anybody tells me you're not going to give up the two Dallas picks to land Masai Ujiri, I think you're nuts. So we're not going to make it that easy, and we're not going to make it too punishing in that the Knicks pick this year, which is, again, almost certainly going to be in the lottery. So we put it as... It's two first-round picks, but the picks are the Knicks 2021 first-round pick. So you not this year. This would be after next year. And one of the Dallas first-rounders, which you would have to think is going to be at the back end of the first round. If it, those were the two picks, Knicks first-round pick in 2021 and one of the Dallas picks, would you give that up to get Masai Ujiri away from Toronto? Four options. We haven't had a four-option one, I feel like, in a while. Four options are A, hell yeah. B, only for the two Mavericks picks, which I think is way too easy. 
And why would – I mean Toronto would be fools to just accept that. I think that there's more value in Masai Ujiri than that. C, find someone else. Masai Ujiri is not the only guy that can, can build an organization. Or D, the very rare D, no need for any change. And will no need for any change track at a higher percentage than Pat Shermer? That is a, that is like the, that's not the first part of the poll question that we're watching. That's like a little subset. That's like a, a sub headline of the, of the poll question because we, we know how Pat Shermer does in these poll questions. It's not great. So those are the four options. You can vote on Twitter at Gordon Damer. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I really got to start doing some Christmas shopping. It's the 18th. So uh, by my math, which is sometimes questionable, that would be seven days, one week until Christmas. And uh, I have not gotten on the ball there yet. I need to uh, start getting on the ball a little bit. Not even checked online? Uh, well, you know, what the little pro- bit. you know what the problem with is online, and maybe it's just my wife. My wife, we have all the accounts synced up together, so the Amazon is all synced up together. So when I start searching for something there, boom, where does it pop? She starts searching. So I stay away from the Amazon because, I A, I don't want – most of all, I don't want to have my gifts ruined. Like I don't want to know what she's getting me. I like to have a nice surprise on Christmas. I'm not looking for anything big, just a nice surprise. And it's funny because we've actually had a conversation about this. She says, whenever she asks me what I want, I said, just surprise me. She feels like that's way too much pressure. I feel like that's the easiest thing in the world. Just surprise me. That's a nice – no no price. I don't say you have to spend this much. Just give me a surprise. She feels like that's too much pressure. How am I supposed to surprise you every time? I don't know. Maybe that should have been the poll question today. It's not, though. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. And it is about the Knicks. And uh, Knicks go out last night, win a game, beat the Hawks. And uh, it is only the Hawks. But you know what? They're only the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks can't be uh, turning down any, turning up their nose at any uh, wins. So they'll take wins where they can get them. And they got one last night. So now three of four. Mike Miller certainly looks like uh, he has gotten the uh, ship Pointed in somewhat the right direction, at least so far. We will find out. I don't think that the Knicks are going to be a 40-win team all of a sudden or anything like that, but at least so far. When you when they go out and play functional basketball and you can actually sit there and not shake your head and pull your hair out, it's a nice change. So our poll question is, after the season, Musayu Jiri obviously has been uh, mentioned a lot with the Knicks, and the report is that it would cost two first-round picks in a negotiation. But two first-round picks, that's kind of open-ended. Is it their pick this year? Is it the pick next year? Is it the two Dallas picks? So we put it up. We gave you four options. If it's the, or we gave you one option, but you have four responses that you can go with. If it's the Knicks pick in 2021, the number one pick in 2021, not this year, where it's clearly going to be in the lottery, you would hope by next year, maybe it's not in the lottery, but I don't know. And one of the Dallas first-rounders. To me, if I give you the two first-rounders, of course, everybody would do that, except anybody associated with Toronto. So if you take that one out, even though it's in there, and I'm sure a lot of people will vote for it, I can't vote for it, no change, no need for change. That's tracking at 6% at last count. <laughs> so um, I don't think you can go with that one either. I think I probably would do it because Masai Ujiri, not everybody who comes in here, I think, is going to have the same gravitas. And I think Ujiri would have a little bit more of an ability to convince ownership to allow him to make the moves necessary, 
Whereas if you went out and just got someone else who had a good reputation but is an up-and-coming guy who doesn't have the track record of Ujiri and the support, it seems like, of the NBA to get the job, I don't think that he's going to be able to make the necessary moves, swing his elbows a little bit, if you will, if he gets up on a decision or two that goes up against management. So I would not say find someone else. I think I probably, if it's the first-round pick in 2021 and uh, one of the Dallas first-rounders, which I really don't think carry all that much value to begin with, I think that I would pro- I probably would say hell yeah. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get a couple of calls in here. We'll go to Peter's at LaGuardia. Peter. Good morning. How are you, Peter? I'm all right. Listen, I got two points to make. No, number one, I, I disagree with you. I think establishing a winning culture as the season rolls on is more important than trying to get a high draft pick. Those are not – you have as much chance almost of getting somebody that's a, a solid player or even a star at 13 where Donovan Mitchell recently went or Draymond Green in the second round. It's not all about the top three picks. we got to establish a winning culture. And, and point number two, I, I really think that we got to let the season play out before we judge Perry on the job that he's done because he's got some trade pieces in Morris and possibly Randall, although I'm not sure who's going to trade for him. Um, it, it, we could establish some, we should get some more, we could get some more assets for those guys and potentially put this in the right direction without Morgan. Oh, I think we guy who may or may not be successful in Ujiri. Uh, well, look, I think Ujiri, if you could get him, I think you would absolutely take him. But I agree with Peter on this, and his phone was starting to go a little sideways there, so I'll let him go. I will give both Steve Mills and Scott Perry the year. Absolutely. No question. I, I was willing to give Fisdale the entire year because these guys, to me, were all tied together. They were the guys who decided on Fisdale over other candidates. So I'm willing to give these two guys, and certainly Mike Miller, the entire season, and when the season, I'm sure there's going to be highs and lows, and this might be the highest of the highs. Again, as I brought up, last year, they had a three-game winning streak against far better competition. It didn't mean anything down the road. So, yeah, let's see how the season turns out. Where are we going? What else do we got to do, right? It's not like we got any playoff football to watch or baseball is still a mile away. So, yeah, give these guys absolutely. But if the season turns out as is kind of expected – Right, like 23, 24 wins, uh, and there is the possibility, any possibility, of being able to bring in a, a an executive with the track record of a Masai Ujiri. I think you have to, you have to at least, you can't wait until, I think as fans, and even as a front office, or as an ownership, I don't think you can get to the off season and be like, well, you know what, maybe now we should start looking. No, I think you got to be laying the groundwork in, a, in whatever way you can. And for fans, I think we can uh, fantasize about it. Let's go out to Matt in Marlboro. Matt, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Gordon. How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? Good. First off, I do agree with the previous caller that a winning culture attracts free agents. So that's a good point by him. What I was going to say was that the trade is pretty dicey because if you look back to like Donnie Walsh, when he got strong-armed into trading for Carmelo Anthony, I mean, he was going to get him for free. You know, and then, you know, well, just money, right. James Dolan, James Dolan and meddled and that was it. And then Griffin wanted the job. But then they said, oh, yeah, but you're going to be reporting to Mills. And then he said, no, nah, well, if there's going to be a power struggle immediately, then I don't want the job either. So right. 
you're talking about trading two viable assets. You know, if you're talking about trading at least one of the Knicks lottery picks and, you know, the Mavericks pick, I guess, is for free at this point because you're going to lose KP for free. Uh, you know, you got to ask yourself, just what are we talking about? Like, is he going to be able to clean house and do his thing? Or is he going to be stuck in the same muddle that Griffin was going to be in? Or is he going to be strong-armed like Donnie Walsh was in, you know, years ago? Listen, I would love to bring him in. I think many Knicks fans would agree with that. It's just what kind of role and boundaries is this man going to have? Well, I think whoever you bring in, Matt, and if it's Ujiri, if it's somebody else, I think that, and I brought this up, I think you have to clean house. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like necessarily – I like it in the moment, right? Like I like getting a win. I like watching the team and they they look good. Uh, but it probably is actually detrimental because I think the, the more wins you get, there's less of a chance that you are going to have the, the full house cleaning. And I think that Mills is the first guy who's got to go. He was the guy who kind of led you down the road of thinking that the Knicks were going to get one of these free agents or at least one of the free agents. And that turned out spectacularly wrong. So I think that whoever you get, any scenario, right, Ujiri or any other executive, I think that in your mind you have to think, it has to be that he gets a, a clean slate and, and, and whoever's here now has to be out of here. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. You, because you really if, want because to if it's not, then there's crash. no point in really talking about it, right? Like, if you're right, just going to exactly. bring him in and, and, and keep the same situation that's intact right now, we've seen, you know, it's, there's some teams that never bring in the right people. The Knicks have actually brought in some people who have had success, but they don't have that success with the Knicks. So you have to question why is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we all know why that is. I mean, James Dolan is a huge problem. We all know that. I will openly say that, and I'm sure 95% of the fan base agrees with that. So, you know, I, it's just, it's really, you know, the lottery pick could change everything, and you got to be certain that this man is going to be given the full authority, like I said. Yeah. If you're just going to trade for him and say, you know, back in the same model like I was just talking about. I don't yeah. know. I mean, well, look, I think I think it. that if it, it, I, I think Ujiri would also be able to kind of read the situation, right? Like if he's a good executive, he's going to know what he's going to be walking into, not just the things that are said, but the things that are unsaid. So if it's the type of thing where he knows ahead of time, hey, I'm not going to even walk into a situation where I have full autonomy to do what I want or, you know, Steve Mills is still going to be here and still be part of the mix, I think that he would make it clear, well, don't bother trading for me because I don't want to come there. So um, I don't think that that would be a, a real issue. I think that that would kind of be worked out before you would even make the move. Right, you're not going to get to the. You're not going to get to. All right, we're going to trade this pick and that pick. Oh, wait a second, I'm still going to be answering to Steve Mills, or he's still going to be on in some other capacity. Well, then it's not going to work. Let's go out to uh, Stephen on Long Island. Stephen, what's going on, my man? Hey, how are you going? You actually just answered my question and made my point. All right. I, I thought I was missing. <laughs> all right, let me hang Did up on you right now. Oh, I'm sorry, Stephen. Go ahead. No. I'm oh yeah. Well, did he agree? Does he want to come to the Knicks? Did he agree to it? But you just made my point. They'll work yeah. all that out. Yeah. You want to go trading all these assets for a guy that no. gets here and says, you right. know what? I don't like this place. I'm out of here. I can get a job anyway. <laughs> right. No, that, no. look, that I'd have to assume that, right, before the Knicks pulled the trigger on the deal, they would have to know and have some assurances that Messiah Ojiri does want to come to the Knicks. And I do think that the job does have some appealing. I know people will make it out like, oh, nobody's ever going to come here. I mean – the the program that he's running to is it Nigeria is from where he's from he wants to get 
that to be an NBA pipeline, and I think that he would have a better chance of making that case if he were in New York as opposed to Toronto and and uh, more resources and more assets to be able to do that. So I think the job would have some appeal. I don't know that for sure, but the fact that there's been as much smoke as there has been makes it at least, not that it's definitely going to happen or that it's definitely a possibility, but at least makes you wonder. At least makes you wonder. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. And a steal. Robinson jumped around. He's got it in the open floor. And a monster jam from Mitchell Robinson. Little chest bump for Julius Randle. A steal and a finish and a 22-point Knicks advantage. Emrov. <laughs> All right. Who was that on the color last night? Brandon Brown, okay, there you go. Ed Cohen and Brandon Brown with a call here on 98.7 FM. Knicks uh, get the easy win over the Hawks, so make it three wins in four games. This portion of the Gordon Damer Show is brought to you by Manscaped.com, number one in below-the-waist grooming. Check out their perfect package, 2.0, and use promo code ESPN for 20% off. All right, so it is Wednesday, and it is time for headlines. Today's headlines. All right, it's time that time again, folks. Uh, Michigan family refuses to eat 141-year-old heirloom holiday fruitcake. Family makes a tradition out of making fruitcakes. This one dates back to 1878. Nowhere in the article, though, does it suggest anyone is, is saying they should eat it. So when you say they refuse to eat it, why would anybody eat it? I like. It's funny, though, because apparently it is still safe to eat. Because it's all bound up by sugar, you can still eat it. But they talked to an expert, and he said, quote, Now, it's going to taste terrible. <laughs> yes, we all assumed that it was, it was probably going to taste terrible originally. Fruitcake is not really all that uh, delicious to begin with. Extra, Certainly extra. not one that's 141 years old. It could be, I don't know what's the most, pizza. Delicious pizza. Th- one thing that brings us all together, delicious pizza. If it's 141 years old, it's probably not going to be all that great. E-cigarette smokers face increased risk of lung diseases, according to a study. Wait a second. Putting smoke in your lungs is bad for you? Extra, extra. Would never have uh, thought that. Odell Beckham has started a come-get-me craze on imploding Browns, right? The Odell not happy with uh, Cleveland. And, you know, uh, the pro football focus guys had uh, put up a video yesterday detailing that it almost feels like with the Browns, well... Odell, he's just trapped in a bad situation back quarter. No, he's been one of the problems there. So it's this idea that he's just uh, just stuck in a and you know just happenstance that he's on another bad team with a quarterback that can't get him the ball is not true. So his come get me craze, I think it's going to turn out to a, a we will let you know of craze. Extra, I think the uh, other teams around the NFL are are going to be looking at it that way. I'm probably going to mispronounce this guy's name, Kumail. Nagiani shows off ripped body in thirsty shirtless photo. Okay, this is the actor who plays Dinesh on Silicon Valley. Do you watch that HBO show, Silicon Valley? So he is now going to be in a Marvel movie. So apparently they have some concoction that they give these guys that just rips them to shreds. And this dude is ripped. Couldn't get over it. So I said to my wife, I said, man, how do you how do you think he gets like that ripped? And she tried to do it nicely, but she, she basically said, well, Gordon, I think uh, it probably starts with not eating a pack of Rolos in bed while watching TV. Extra, extra. Mysterious light in the sky could be sign of alien life, experts say. Who are these experts about lights in the sky? 
Why do we always think that the aliens are smarter than us? Is that because we're all idiots? Probably, right? But all right, let's say that they're these genius aliens. Do you really think that they're going to show up and start shining a giant light in the sky? If they're that smart, wouldn't they be a little bit more stealthy than that? Like, oh, hey, we found this other planet from light years away and we have the technology to do it. Now that we're here, let's shine this light in the sky. FBI just busted an illegal streaming site with more content than Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. Sure, now you tell me. I really could have used that, FBI. I'm giving a buddy a little uh, heads up next time, right? Polar Vortex. Bomb Cyclone. Sleet. What these winter weather terms mean. You don't know what sleet means? I think you're going to have a problem with the article. I think everybody kind of... I know that it's the rule of three, right? You want to put three of those terms together, not just two. So polar vortex, bomb cyclone. I think you have to come up with something better than sleep for the last one. And then uh, California man eats Chick-fil-A every day in an attempt to break the record. Admits his wife is fed up. <laughs> I can. She would probably be fed up even without the Chick-fil-A. So this guy's trying to break the record. Problem is, there is no record. Chick-fil-A says we don't keep records. If they don't keep records, I don't know who's keeping records. The, the Guinness people who, again... I have to point this out. Has any organization led to more people wasting their time and their life than Guinness breaking these stupid records that nobody knows anything? They put out a book about them. So dumb. And Chick-fil-A's not open on Sunday. Some people say, oh, well, maybe he bought two on Saturday. No, he didn't. Stop it. Don't be Don't be a troll. Extra, extra. This week in Florida, man. Florida man accidentally shoots himself while playing cowboy. Extra, extra. Florida man gets locked in store after allegedly stealing a Pepsi. Extra, extra. Florida man overdosed on meth before the alligator ate parts of his body. Extra, extra. Skydiving Santa hospitalized in Florida after landing hard on the beach. Extra, extra. Florida mom leaves kids in defunct school bus to smoke pot on a boat. Well, what did they want her to do? Bring the kids with her on the boat? Extra, extra. It is probably our last headlines of 2019. So we did have, we didn't do recap of the stories. We'll probably do that in 2020. But this year in Florida, man, let's run up the music here, uh, Brian. Drunk Florida man crashes lawnmower into police claims cops poisoned him. Extra, extra. Florida man carjacks elderly person but can't drive the stick shift car he just stole. Extra, extra. Florida woman pulls gator from yoga pants during a stop. Extra, extra. And then my favorite, I think my favorite Florida man story of the year, Florida man claims to police the cocaine in his car was blown in there by the wind. All right, that's going to do it for headlines for today. Another rousing edition of the uh, the closeted favorite of headlines. But coming up next, we'll get back into the sports. And we got to focus on uh, Dave Gettleman. And really, everybody's talking about whether or not Dave Gettleman should be back. There's one part of it that we can't know. And really, the only people that would know would be Gettleman and ownership. So I'll tell you what that is coming up next. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. The poll question is up. It's about the Knicks today. You can go to Twitter, at Gordon Damer. And see it there. We'll take some more phone calls because we do have some more time today. But I did want to touch on Dave Gettleman a little bit. And the New York Post has this big, long rundown about his two years as the GM. We've kind of run through this already, but they have every single move that he's kind of made, good, bad, and different. And if you look at it, right? Free agency has largely been a disaster. Golden has been a huge hit. But other than that, 
But that's how free agency generally goes, right? Like if you make a lot of moves in free agency, the chances of you having a lot of success over and over. Free agency should be about finding that one or two pieces. It shouldn't be about trying to build your team that way. And the trade for Leonard Williams, I think, has been terrible. I, I, I said on the Saturday show, I don't know what would be the better, what would be the worst option. Trading a third and a fifth for a guy who really doesn't make much of an impact on a team that's going to probably have the second pick in the draft and then allowing him to walk after the season's over? Or is the worst result giving up a third and a fourth round pick, keeping the guy and paying him quite a significant amount of money? I don't think he's giving you any hometown discount. I don't know which is the worst scenario there. But here's the thing about Gettleman and really whether or not he should be back kind of, to me, hinges upon this. I do think that he could make a case for why he should stay. Two years is not enough for a GM. You knew that it was going to be a rebuilding project when he came in. He's drafted a lot of players who most of them seem like they have at least a promising future. And he could probably make the case that, you know what, this talent would be even better if they were being coached up right. Now, he can't make that case too strong because he's the guy who brought in the coach. But I think that he could make those those kind of arguments to management for why he should be back. The one thing that I don't know, you don't know, really nobody knows outside of ownership and Dave Gettleman was, whose idea was it in the first year to kind of slap things together to try to, they approach things much more from a win now mentality than after year one, where they rightfully said, you know what, we got to strip this down, get some guys out of here. And do a full rebuild. Was that Gettleman's idea that he actually thought that, you know what, we can kind of slap some pieces together, make one more run with Eli as the quarterback? Or was that like a condition of him getting the job? Hey, ownership wants you to do this, so do it for the first year. And then if it doesn't work, all right, then we'll. Because if it's ownership, and it certainly seems like it might have been ownership that was putting that out there. I think that you have to get, I think you have to kind of bring him back for another year. Cause then what you're really saying is that he's only had one year to kind of go about things the way they should be done. And if you had to say any part of Dave Gettleman's resume here, not that it's super strong or uber strong, but I think that drafting is, has been his best quality. The trades certainly haven't been. The free agent signings certainly haven't been. So I guess by default, it would have to be the draft. But if there's one area you want your GM to do really well in, that has to be kind of the lifeblood of your team. So, and I think I got to give him more than one year to kind of show you that he does have a clue when it comes to building through the draft. It could turn out to be a huge mistake. And one of the problems with it is if you bring in a coach, there's a possibility, right? If you go from this year where you're going to win three or four games and next year, and let's be honest, last year you probably should only won three or four games also. And then next year you only win three or four games. Well, then you're probably, then the conversation is going to turn and it's probably going to be on Dave Gettleman that he's going to be out. And then you're going to have to start this whole cycle again, right? You're going to have to find a GM to go with the coach. It's a whole mess. But I do think that he could make the case for why he deserves to be back. And if it does turn out, and ownership would know this, that they kind of forced him as part of their job requirement or, or a part of their plan was to win now as much as possible in that first year. Well, then I think he kind of deserves a pass for it. All right, let's go back to the phones, 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go to Anthony in Staten Island. Anthony, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning. Um, Going back to what you said earlier about Van Gundy, I mean, I I kind of agree with with his take because, I mean, you don't want to hang on to the past, and and sometimes changes are needed, but 
I mean, you know, if you're a young player on the Knicks, it's possible that you've had like two or three coaches and right. uh, two or three GMs at this point, and it's just it's it, it just never ends. And, and to me, I was actually convinced that once Fisdale was gone, that they were going to try to you know bring someone in here like a big name person, just because you know now they want to try to win, you know, just to make themselves look you know like okay, it wasn't us, it wasn't our picks, it was the coach, right? But I give them credit for at least you know at this point hanging out with Mike Miller. I don't know if that's their intention, um, you know, and, and riding out the rest of the season and, and see where the chips fall. Because I think the worst situation is if they hire a coach and then all of a sudden, you know, you see Perry and, and, and Mills gone and now all of a sudden you have a, a new GM that has to... You go about it backwards. Y- yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm kind of okay with the way they got going on. And, and look, plus, if they do win, say, and I, and I don't think it's even possible, but if they win, say, you know, 20 games or whatever it is, or more, more than that. I mean, we saw last year now with the way the draft is, you know, the Pelicans, the Lakers, I mean, Grizzlies, these were all teams that had a, a lot of wins, and they still ended up at the top of the uh, at the top of the top draft. So I don't think it is the way it was before. So I'm a little bit more uh, okay with it. So that that's my take on it. Uh, I mean, just the thing about Van Gundy, I have to disagree with, like, who, where are his examples of guys who were not given enough, like, was Phil Jackson not given enough time? Did people feel like Phil Jackson should have been given more time? Uh, Jeff Hornacek, should he have been given more time? Uh, Fisdale, I think clearly you, you could make the argument that they didn't act quickly enough, because now they're what, 7 and 21? Who knows? Maybe if they, maybe if they do pull the trigger, after those first 10 games, maybe they were a lot closer to 500. I don't know. Maybe not, but I don't think they could have been any further away. I mean, Mike Miller already has th- – now, they're not premier wins. I get it. But I think that <laughs> Fisdale had four wins. Mike Miller's already got three. Let's go out to Jimmy and Dix Hills. Jimmy, what's going on? Hey, great show. Thanks, man. Um, I, I want to talk about Gettleman real fast. So sure. two, two things I think are significant. The fact that he didn't sign Collins – and getting rid of OBJ was addition through subtraction. We got Peppers back to play that, that safety role. Plus, we got the draft picks. This guy is a cancer. Now, he, you know, he's, he's, he's not playing up to the, the contract. We got rid of him. And I think those two things are really significant. The rest I agree with you about Gettleman. But I would bring Gettleman back, and I would not bring Shermer back. Yeah, That's no, I, I think, I, Jimmy, I don't think there's any way that Shermer comes back. They could win the next two games 50 to nothing. I don't think that Shermer's coming back. Uh, Collins, I said at the time I thought that was the right move. I would never have paid him that money. The only question you can have about that was if you knew you weren't going to bring him back, why wouldn't you trade him away? And get another draft pick, and that's part of the. That's another part with the, the the Leonard Williams trade is that I think that Gettleman does his best work, or at least so far has, with draft picks. Why would you trade a couple away, especially one in the third round? I mean, that's a valuable pick. That's not just nothing. Maybe the fifth rounder, you could make the argument. All right, fifth rounder, that's a little further down. A third round pick when it's going to be one of the first picks of the third round. To me, that's a mistake. I don't look at the. I guess maybe addition by subtraction is right because Odell has not gotten uh, has not broken out and had this amazing year. And the longer it goes without him having another amazing year, it seems less and less likely a guy who's based on such athleticism that he's going to have another amazing year. So no, moving on from him probably was the right move. Probably shouldn't have done that after you gave him the contract, but that's the way it worked out. But it's not like they got back a player that you can say. I know Lawrence has looked good so far, but it's not like you can say that that trade to me has been a slam dunk so far. All right, it's going to do it for so far. The show's over. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.